morning. Welcome to Shelby Christian Church. Hey, you guys that are joining us online as well. You're gathered there in your homes. Welcome this morning. Welcome in. Hey, you guys, uh, we're excited that you're here this morning. Like Dave said earlier, uh, we've got a great day uh, planned, and we're excited to just be gathered, all right, to be able to worship Jesus today. Dave's kicking off a new series this morning. Over the next eight weeks, we're going to be walking through Luke chapter 16, 17, and 18. And we're talking about the fact that, that Jesus should be the keeper of our heart. And one of the things you'll, you'll see today in the passage of Scripture that Dave's going to share with us is that Jesus looks at the Pharisees and he says this, You like to put on these airs so that people think a certain thing about you. But God knows your heart. And then he says, The things that this world honors are detestable in the sight of God. And so he immediately draws us into this understanding that there's a difference between the things of this world and the things of God. And that the center of that whole tension lies in our heart. Well, what's in your heart? Because Jesus taught and knew, and what we begin to understand as we grow and mature is that what is in our heart is the outflowing in our life, in our words, and in our deeds, and our actions, right? In the way we live our life. So what, what is in there flows out. And so this morning, as, as we stop at the very beginning of our service for a time of communion, what we want to do is we want to just examine our hearts. We want to contemplate our sin. We want to refocus ourselves, not on the things of this world, but on Jesus. And so if you guys would, would you grab your uh, communion that you hopefully had when you walked in this morning? We're going to take this today. We're going to take this cup, this little piece of cracker that reminds us of Jesus's body that was broken on the cross. And we're going to drink this juice that reminds us of his blood that was shed for our sins. The blood that pumped through his heart, his physical heart that was shed there on the cross that represented the, the, the sacrifice that would atone for sin for all mankind, for all eternity, and for you and for me because of our sins. And so we stop this morning to think about that, to contemplate that, to thank God for that sacrifice. Would you guys pray with me? Lord God in heaven, we thank you for today. And we thank you for the opportunity that we have this morning to just pause, to think about the cross and what that represents to us, those of us who follow Christ. The sacrifice that was made on our behalf because of us, the requirement of that perfect son, that lamb of God that was slain because of our sins. And God, it is you that make us righteous and holy, not because of anything we do, but because of what you've already done through Jesus. And so this morning we stop to think about that. We stop to pray about that. We stop just to, to sit in the middle of that understanding. God, be with us today. May your spirit fill us and fill this place. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
I'm getting excited to preach. Man, but didn't Jason and Kevin do an awesome job the last four weeks? We are so blessed, so blessed to have uh, them on our staff to give me a break. Uh, but every time that happens, I get a month to get ready, so I'm kind of jacked up. And I've only had one Mountain Dew this morning. I'm just fair warning, full disclosure, all right? But we're glad you guys are here, whether you're uh, those of you guys that are here in person uh, and so many that are worshiping online. If you're worshiping with us online, we are so glad uh, that you're able to do that. But I need those of you who are in person to help me give at least one shout-out because our brother Yusef is online watching us right now from Pakistan. So find a camera somewhere and wave at it, Everybody and welcome, welcome Yusef to our worship uh, uh, service this morning. It is so cool. Isn't it so cool to be able to do that? Who would have thought that a church in Shelbyville, Kentucky could be live streamed and watched in Pakistan and all over the world and stuff? That is so cool uh, to be able to do that. But we do want to let you know uh, we're really concerned about everybody and all that's going on during this season. And we really, we really want to be in prayer for folks. And so if you've got a prayer concern, uh, there's a number on the screen. They're going to pop up on the screen. Uh, and it's there for the online people too, but it's there for you guys. If you've got a prayer concern and you just want to text that number or call that number, it won't be answered right this minute because the person with the phone is in this service, uh, but they'll text you right back, okay? Uh, and because we just want to pray. We just want to pray for whatever's going on, whether it's an illness or the financial difficulties that this pandemic has caused for people or whatever it might be. That's the most important thing uh, that we can do is to keep in touch with people that way. And so uh, really, if you're here or if you're online and watching and you've got something going on, let us know about it so we can get involved and we can take it to the throne of God as well. Like Jason said, we're starting a brand new mini series in, in the middle of, or actually we're past the middle of this mega series that we're in this whole year on focusing on Jesus. And for the next eight weeks, we're going to talk about these issues that he describes in Luke 16, 17, and 18 that are really heart issues that are really hard issues and how Jesus wants to be the keeper of our heart. And so we're going to dig in there. If you've got a Bible and you want to go ahead and get to Luke 16, that's where we're going to be this morning. But these next eight weeks are, are, are going to call us in to take a, a deep look into ourselves. Now, I warn you that that's important, that's critically important for us to do, is to take a deep look at ourselves. But when we do that, you know what happens sometimes? Sometimes if we're really honest about that and we take that deep look at ourselves, sometimes we see some things that we'd rather not see, but that we need to see, that we need to see so that we can address head on. It's like when we have an illness of any kind, at least for me, and I'd say for most of you, if I've got an illness of some kind, I want to know so that I can address it. I want to be able to address the situation. So that's really what we're going to do. And, and being a follower of Christ, which is what this is really all about, is more than just showing up. It's more than just showing up either in person or online for an hour of inspiration a week and then just go back and live. No, it's, being a Christ follower is, is a 24-7 thing, and it's all about the heart. Years ago, Michael W. Smith, a famous songwriter, a worship leader, wrote a song that says, When the music fades and all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart, singing to God. 
I bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. God, you're looking deep into our heart. You see, Jesus is the keeper of our heart. If you go in the Old Testament, in, in the book of Jeremiah, and this will be on the screen, Jeremiah chapter 17, uh, verses 9 and 10. Go to the next slide there. Boom. The heart, the, the heart is what? Deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can possibly understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and then test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruits of his deed. God's saying it's all about the heart. But then that's in the Old Testament. Jeremiah's writing that for God. But years later, Jesus, as the message says, moves into the neighborhood. Jesus leaves the throne room of heaven and moves into the neighborhood and comes to live among us to give us a, a demonstration, an actual visual of what it means to live in that way. He comes and moves in the neighborhood and he tells us these things that are called parables. They're earthly stories with heavenly meanings. And, and that's what this really is in the next three chapters or so of Scripture in Luke 16, 17, and 18. But this parable, I don't know if any of you read ahead. If you watch on Facebook nightly, I've been challenging you to read this one. This one's tough. This parable's tough because it's kind of got a completely different spin on it. Here's what you need to know before we read it. A, a parable just like any other story not every story or parable actually has a hero in it there's no hero in this one and, and some stories therefore some parables some lessons some of the best lessons are actually learned from bad examples Learn from my mistakes. Don't do as I do, do as I say. Don't, you know, learn from this. And that's kind of this story. Now, remember, Jesus is just telling this story. It's kind of on the tales of the three stories in Luke 15 that Jason talked to you about last week, right? And he, so he's talking to his disciples, but he knows that the Pharisees are listening. So they're in some kind of proximity. It doesn't tell us exactly where. They're in some kind of a setting where Jesus is there with the disciples, and he's kind of talking directly to them, but he knows the Pharisees like are over here. And, and so it's like you've probably done that. Coaches do that a lot of times. They may, they may be uh, really talking to the one knucklehead over here, but they, they give a stirring message to the whole team knowing that that's the one that really needs to hear it. And so Jesus has got the disciples and he's teaching them, but the Pharisees are over there, okay? And so I want to read this to you and you can follow along, and you're, but I just want to read it out of the message in a, in a story format, at least the story part of it, and then we'll go back uh, to the other version for the actual teaching. So here we are, the beginning of Luke 16. Jesus said to his disciples, there was once a rich man who had a manager. The rich man got reports that the manager had been taking advantage of his position by running up huge personal expenses. And so he called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? You're fired, and I want a complete audit of your books. 
The manager said to himself, this is the dishonest manager, said to himself, what in the world am I going to do? I've lost my job as a manager. I'm not strong enough for a laboring job, and I'm too proud to beg. Oh, he said, I got a plan. I have a plan. Here's what I'll do. And then, then when I'm turned out into the street, people will take me into their houses. They'll take care of me. There's a book by Ruby Payne about the cycles of poverty and understanding that. And it talks about how people who typically get down in their luck, they're really good at playing the system. They're really good at keeping all their doors open so that because they never know when they're going to need somebody to help them out when they get in trouble. And that's kind of like this manager. And then he went at it, it says. One after another, he called the people who were in debt to his master, not to him, but to his master. And he said to the first one, how much do you owe my master? And the man replied, a hundred jugs of olive oil. The manager said, here, take your bill, sit down and quick now and write 50 on it. And the next he answered, and you, what do you owe? And the man answered, a hundred sacks of wheat. And he said, here, take your bill and write 80 on it. Now, here's the twist. Here's the surprise in the story. The man, the master, the owner finds out, and he praised the crooked manager. And why? Because he knew how to look after himself. And then it says in, in, the, in the message, streetwise people are smarter in this regard than law-abiding citizens. They are constantly looking for angles, surviving by their wits. And then Jesus is telling this story. He says, I want you to be smart in the same way. But here's the catch. But for what is right. I want you to be that wise, but for what is right. Using every adversity to stimulate you to creative survival, to concentrate your attention on the bare essentials so that you'll live, really live, and not complacently just to getting by on good behavior. It's an interesting parable because what we see here, and what I'm going to look at real quickly this morning, are at least, there's at least three kind of comparative uh, comparatives here. The first one is how it talks about waste versus waste being wasteful versus being shrewd, okay? In the New International, ESV, verse 1 says something like, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought against this man who was wasting, wasting his possessions. Now, here's the key word this morning. This whole parable is about integrity, the heart issue of integrity. But no one in this story has integrity. We, we start off, we're introduced to this dishonest manager who's taking advantage of his owner and he's using it for him. He has no integrity at all. But he wasted the boss's earnings, and, and then he set up a scheme, and he actually told the clients to change the invoice. Did you catch that when we were reading it? Did you catch that when you read through the parable? When he comes up with plan B, which is here, I'm going to lower your debt, he hands them the bill, the invoice, and he says, here, you change it. Because I don't want my handwriting on there. You change it. That's shrewd, but it's not really honest. You change the bill. And, and he, he told them to do that. And then the owner didn't have any integrity because at the very least, he complimented the man for his lack of integrity. But the way Jesus tells the story to the Pharisees, now remember, they're over on the side, but he's kind of knows their list. He's likely pointing out how many owners were overcharging 
that was common in that day. I mean, the, everything that was going on, we hear about the tax collectors all the time and how they were overcharging for taxes, but just merchants would overcharge. And likely that's what this, this owner that Jesus is talking about, he was like a lot of the owners, like a lot of the Pharisees who had been overcharging. So in reality, the refund the guy was given was really just the excessive sticker price on oil and wheat. We would call it today what? Price gouging. That's what we would call it today. And and that's what's going on. So the owners really doesn't have any more integrity than the manager does. And then the clients, they participated in the scam as well and, and because they were the ones who changed the bill. So nobody, there's no hero in this story. No one has integrity. Do you know the difference... Do you know the difference between a major heart attack and a minor heart attack? Who had it? If it was you, it's major. Doesn't matter what the doctor said. If it's you, it's major. We often look at things in life that way, too. It really all depends on who you ask. And when it comes to integrity and defining integrity, that's often the case as well. We always play the comparison game. As long as I'm better than the next guy, as long as I'm living with more integrity than the other guy, then, then okay, I'm, I'm okay. But I wanted to listen to some things. Thomas Jefferson said this about integrity. He said, I am sure that in estimating every man's value, either in private or public life, a pure integrity is the quality we take first into calculation and that learning and talents are only the second. It's all about integrity. Warren Buffett said, in looking for people to hire, you look for three qualities, integrity, intelligence, and energy. And if they don't have the first, the other two will kill you. But Billy Graham said this. He said, integrity is the glue that holds our way of life together. What our young people want to see in their elders is integrity, honesty, truthfulness, and faith. And what they hate most of all is hypocrisy and phoniness. Solomon in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9, said, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his way crooked will be found out. So I think we've got this in this story. We see this, this man starts off and he's wasting the owner's possession. So we've got that, we've got that image of somebody that's wasting everything. It's interesting that in this particular story, the man who's caught wasting the owner's investments. He didn't try to deny the accusation. You notice that when you read through there? Because what do we do today? Oh, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was him. It was, it was this person. He didn't try to deny the accusations at all. He didn't do anything to defend himself at all. He simply went on to plan B. Now, remember, Jesus is talking to the disciples, but he knows the Pharisees are listening. And so the story he told to the disciples is really kind of about how the Pharisees were living their life. Those who didn't feel, those who didn't feel like they had to defend themselves because they were always right. That's that's the best description of the Pharisees. When it came to religiosity, when it came to following rules, they never had to defend themselves because they were always right. And the only defense they would give is, we're just trying to help you be right also. And don't point fingers, but do you know anybody like that? you know anybody like that? 
And so Jesus is talking to them, and then we come to this crazy twist in the story. Look in verse 8, in whatever version of the Bible that you have, look what it says. It says something to the effect of the master commended or congratulated the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For his shrewdness. What? The, the, the master, the owner, commended the dishonest manager? You've got to be kidding me. Because usually in Jesus' parables, the master represents God. But understand, in this parable, this owner, this master is not God. All right? This is truly an earthly story. And usually in Jesus' parables, those who behave improperly receive outcomes that involve weeping and gnashing of teeth. But that's not really what happens here. What Jesus is saying is that the people of the world will do anything to get ahead. They'll do anything to advance themselves. They'll go to any lengths necessary to achieve what's most important to them. And when it comes to money, when it comes to money issues, see, I think that's why Jesus uses money to illustrate this whole idea of integrity because money is, is where, let's be honest, a lot of us can struggle with our integrity if we're not really careful. If we're not really careful, I think there's a reminder here to work hard, to perform, to do your job with intensity, to show up, just to show up, always to show up. When we work with our our folks in recovery that are coming out of whatever situation they've been and they're trying to get a job and we tell them, here's the key, stay clean and show up, just show up for work. Because we're living in a world today that a lot of people just aren't even showing up. You know how many fast food restaurants uh, in our region have had to actually stay closed on certain days because not enough employees showed up for them to be able to open? And, And so Jesus is just saying, work hard, perform with intensity, strive for excellence. And what this manager did was he looked at a bad situation. Because he's, he's in a mess, right? And he's already heard that you're fired. You're out of here. <coughs> and, and, and so he's looking at a bad situation. And we don't typically use the word shrewd very much. You know the word that we use, the popular word we use today would be leverage. Because that's what this, that's what this manager did. He took what he had available and he leveraged it to the best possible outcome he could imagine or he could see given the situation he's in. He's very shrewd and very wise. Individuals and businesses, even churches need to be ready to adapt to the situation when it goes awry for the best possible result. You know, we can sit around and we can say this pandemic and it ruined everything and, and we got to sit rows apart. We can't hug each other. We can't, you know, we, it's all virtual this and virtual that and, you know, all this stuff. And we can, or we can say, okay, how do, we, how do we figure out how to use this for the good? How do, how do we figure out how to, how to elevate Christ? And it it's really comes down to several things, but how we treat other people. And how we respond to how other people respond and, and the kindness that's in our heart. Look what we've done with, with, uh, uh, with social media and with technology. We had a guy watching from Pakistan today. I mean, that's taking bad situations and leveraging it, leveraging it for an overall good. That's what, that's what this, this dishonest manager did. You see, I think if COVID has taught us anything, it's taught us that. How do we take a bad situation and move forward the best we can? But there's also a warning. And we've got to be careful with that warning. And that is we must not put our highest value on work or money. 
I, I want you to have something to write down. Maybe it's on your phone, or maybe you're just going to write it in your mind. Or if you're online, you might want to type it in the comment bar. But let's do a quick gut check here. What are you working the hardest for in your life? Career advancement? Is that it? Climbing the corporate ladder? Making a whole lot of money? Is that it? Millionaire by the time you're 40, 50, whatever? Maybe the perfect body? You're obsessed with the way you look? See, there's a lot of things that we can work really hard for that aren't the things we need to work really hard for. Okay? And so the first comparison and lesson that we can learn in this parable is the difference in wasting and being shrewd or leveraging for a positive, positive outcome, a godly outcome. The second comparison we need to look at is kind of an obvious one. It's in the teaching part, okay? And we get down to verse 10, and Jesus kind of finishes telling the story. He says, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. And so it's the comparison between honest and dishonest. See, after Jesus tells this story, this made-up story, this parable about a dishonest manager, an owner, and some clients that messed with their bill, then he does some teaching. And, and he begins his ultimate teaching here by talking about your character and particularly your heart. And he says, here's the deal, guys. If you're faithful with a little, you'll be faithful with a lot. But if you're dishonest with a little you're going to be dishonest with a lot. You know, I hear people say things like, if I can just get over the hump, if I can just get past this moment, if I can just get past this season, I'll never do this again. And this is different, whatever their thing is. But if I can just, I'm going to, I'm going to do, and what they're acknowledging, I know what I'm doing isn't necessarily right, but for this moment, if I can just do it for right now, when I get this under control, I'll never do that again. And there are things like, I'll never lie again. Just this one last lie, okay? Just this is my last one, all right? Or I'll never steal again. I'll never take anything that's really not mine. I'll never take anything home from work. I'll never, I'll never steal again. Or for our addicts, I'll never, ever use again. Or here's one I've, hear, I've heard far too often i've had people just honestly tell me hey i'll start tithing whenever i get out of debt or make a certain level of income no you won't no you won't you either trust god all the time or you'll not be faithful all the time you've got to make that define now that doesn't say that there was a time in our life when we weren't doing things right and we we make that decision except when we draw the line and we change and move forward but if it's a pattern of life and you say oh it's just this just this just this no you're not going to change that you're not going to change that when it comes to tithing and giving that's not going to change no matter how much you make because if you can't do it with a little you're not going to do it with a lot William Law said, we must alter our lives in order to alter our hearts. For it is impossible to live one way and to pray another way. Honest versus dishonest. Faithful versus unfaithful. And see, the only way that ever really happens, that defining moment when things change and we do things different, the only way that happens is with a heart transplant. Because it's really all about the heart. You've got to let Jesus do surgery on your heart. In the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs, Solomon said, As water uh, face, 
as in water, face reflects face, so the heart reflects the man. In other words, you look in, you know, you look in the water and you see reflection. You look in the mirror and you see reflection. It is what it is. It's just a reflection of what's really there. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, uh, verse 4, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? And then here in this parable at the end of it, Jesus said, For God, as he's teaching, he said, God knows your heart. God knows your heart. See, I, I try to look at the common good. I, I used to tell kids all the time years ago when, when I was a youth minister and kids would come and talk to me about wanting to do this or that and wanting to make Jesus Lord of their life. I said, that's awesome. That's awesome. But is that really what you want? Is that really because I would tell them, I said, because I love you, I want to believe everything you tell me. But God knows your heart. Don't, don't play games with God because Galatians chapter 6 talks about how God will not be mocked. And so we, we say a lot of things, and God, but God knows the integrity of our heart. And only God can bring about that change. And so we pray, Lord, change us. We want to be a community of changed lives because only God can change us. So we've got this, in this parable, we've got this comparison between being wasteful or, and being shrewd. We've got this comparison between being honest and dishonest and then, <clears throat> at the very end of the teaching, Jesus talks about the difference between temporary wealth and eternal riches. Temporary versus eternal. You see, Jesus' final thought is directed to the disciples. He's taught so that the Pharisees could hear, but now he's really kind of honing in. He's talking to the disciples, and I think, therefore, to us, you've got to make a choice. See, we're disciples now, just generations on advance from these disciples. And he's telling them, he's telling us, you've got to make a choice. Are you going to focus on here and now and what's going on? Or are you going to focus on eternity? Who are you going to serve is really what Jesus asked here at the end. Look at verse 13 in your Bibles. It says, no, no servant can serve two masters, for either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. And Jesus is also clear to point out, he's also clear to point out, just a couple verses ahead of that, that worldly wealth can have godly purposes. You use what you have for uh, eternal purposes, kind of in the who's your one mentality. See, use, he said, Jesus said, use earthly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. See, here, guys, here's, here's what we got to get, and we're just about done. If you invest in people, if you invest in people, if you invest in a one who someday ends up in heaven, Someday they may very well be part of the welcoming committee, welcoming you home. And they're there because of your effort in their life and they're welcoming you home. You can't use money for any better purpose than to help people get to heaven, than to make Jesus famous, to introduce them to him. You guys, a lot of you guys remember Wayne Smith. And Wayne was my pastor's little boy growing up. He preached here several times um, before he passed away uh, four years ago. And someone once asked Wayne, said, if I don't tithe, will I go to hell? Here was Wayne's response. Probably not, but someone else might. That's, that's pretty heavy stuff, right? 
what he was saying was as a believer you know what you need to do and god's using what we're supposed to do as believers to help propagate the gospel and to share it with other people don't spend your money buying stuff when you can buy eternity see invest in relationships invest in the people that you love do the right thing it's all about the heart do the right thing check your heart Remember that Michael W. Smith song that I told you about at the beginning? The very last part of the verse says, You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. Well, the chorus of that song says, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. See, that's the heart of worship. That's the heart of worship. It's been said that integrity is who you are when no one is looking. Guess when that is? Integrity is who you are when no one's looking. Guess when that time comes? Never. Never. See, this dishonest manager, he thought nobody was looking. He thought nobody was watching. Nobody would see anything, but they were. And the reality is someone's always looking. Someone around you is always looking, but there's always someone looking, and he knows your heart. And so as we kick off this mini-series today, I I just got to ask, where's your heart? Where's your heart? I'm convinced that this morning, maybe in this service, if not in this one, one of the next two, but I'm convinced there will be some people here this morning that need to give their heart to Jesus. Now, I want to ask you to do something right now. I want to ask you to just bow your heads. I got a couple more things I want to say. But while I'm saying, I want want you to pray right now. I I want you to bow your heads and I want you to pray one of two things. If, If you are someone that has never surrendered your heart to Jesus, would you pray? Would you pray and just have your little discussion with God about, is this the day that I need to give my heart to Jesus? And if you're someone who's already made that decision, would you pray for those who need to make that decision today? See, here's what's been going on, gang. Satan has used this pandemic to distract our hearts. It caused us to focus on the wrong things. This pandemic caused us to focus on a terrible, terrible virus. But guess what? That virus is temporary. It will come to an end. This season in our world has caused us to focus on the color of a man's skin instead of his heart. And that's the wrong focus. God knows our hearts. He knit our hearts together when we were still in our mother's womb. Psalm 139 talks about how he put us together. He knows our heart. He knew it when he was making us, and he wants you to give your heart back to him through Jesus. You see, what's ha- what happens in all of our lives, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, somewhere in that process, Satan hijacks your heart. And God wants you to give your heart back to Jesus. The password for the Wi-Fi in this building is all about Jesus. And I chose that password for a reason. 
because Jesus is the password to your eternity if you'll just give him your heart. God is a group. We're all together this morning, and we're just praying. We're just praying either for the courage to make that decision to give our hearts to Jesus or we're praying for those around us, those that are coming and following services, those that are watching at home who need to give their heart to Jesus. And so, God, I just pray that you would move. Help us to draw closer to you as you just long to be the keeper of our heart. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If that's something you need to talk about when service is over, I'll be down here at the front. Jason will be around. We can talk to you about that. We can make arrangements for baptism. It's been cool this week. We've had some emails, some text messaging exchanges, some folks that are getting ready to make that decision uh, in their life. If this is your first time here today, uh, we've got a gift for you. Uh, Brett, our involvement pastor, will be back at the sign-up table back there. Uh, he's got a very sanitized bag that he will kind of pass you know, uh, to you very sanitized. Safely, but we just want to let you know we're glad uh, that you're here. Uh, just one thing to keep in mind, two weeks from today, two weeks from today, we will not have worship here. Uh, we'll be out at the park for our annual day at the park, one service only, 10 o'clock at the amphitheater. Uh, the picnic has to be a little bit different. Uh, obviously, during this season, we can't serve a 1,000 people in mass or whatever it would be. So it's BYOP. All right, you figure that out, all right? BYOP, if you want to stay around after worship and uh, sit on blankets, kind of social distance, but close to people, uh, bring your own picnic and you can picnic that way, okay? Uh, but uh, we'll be at the park two weeks from today. Thanks for being here, guys. Uh, help us out, get on out so we can clean up for the next crew. Have an awesome week. Let's go change the world. <laughs>